I just don't see a lot of people telling folks how to actually create relationships with people. All they say is the importance of relationships and you got to have relationships. It's like, well, how do you do that? Oh, well, this is actually a really simple way to do it. Listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're going to be talking about content-based networking. And to help us do it, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. James Carberry, founder of Sweetfish Media. James, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, it's full circle for all you people out there who aren't aware of it. But James was the one that got me into podcasting and helped us set up this show originally. And Sweetfish, if here's a shameless plug, Sweetfish is amazing. <laughs> so I uh, highly recommend you guys reach out and, and work with them. But let's talk content-based networking. How about let's start with the definition? Yeah, man. So, uh, so the way we define content-based networking is using content collaboration as a way to build new business relationships. I mean, you've been in the game long enough to know that I don't think anybody would argue with saying that relationships are incredibly important in business. And it's not what you know, it's who you know. We've all heard that saying a million times, but I don't see a lot of people telling people how to actually create those relationships. It's based on a lot of hope and serendipity. Like, <laughs> I, I hope this person's at an event that I'm going to or at this local chamber of commerce meetup that I'm about to attend, or I just hope that I meet the right people. And we feel like we've really figured out a way to reverse engineer the right kind of relationships. And, and we do it on the back of podcasts and other types of media that you can create with your ideal customer. So yeah, that's the long and short of it. So when you look at that stuff and you get strategic about it, so when you want to network, let's say you want to target somebody that's going to be at that chamber of commerce event or, you know, at that next meetup, what kinds of things are you seeing or advising clients to do to leverage the content they've created? If you know someone in your community, you want to connect with them, they're not responding to your emails, you're, they're not at the Chamber of Commerce meeting for you to meet serendipitously or, or whatever, having some sort of a media outlet that you own that you can partner with them to create content on. A podcast is a great one. You know, this show, our show, it's what we use our show, B2B Growth, for. We go out and we know that VPs of marketing at B2B tech companies are ideal buyers. And so what do you know? Like all of our guests on B2B Growth are <laughs> VPs of marketing at B2B tech companies with 50 plus employees. Like, And so it's a gateway drug to a relationship with the exact right type of person. It works locally. It works if you're selling globally. But podcasts aren't the only way to do it. I mean, you can have you know a video series and, and you invite someone to be a part of the video series. I've seen a couple big brands do like these long documentary style pieces of content. So they're like hour long documentaries. I saw an agency in San Diego do one about SEO, saw a cybersecurity firm do one on the four biggest cybersecurity hacks in recent history. Oh, and, wow. and, and so you're developing this phenomenal content, but in the midst of developing that content, 
you're also collaborating with people that you can ultimately do business with to create that content with them. So it creates this bond and this unity between you and your potential buyer because you're creating content with them, be it a documentary or a podcast episode or a blog, or you partner with them on a webinar. There are all sorts of different types of media that you can collaborate with people on. And when you're strategic about who you collaborate with, you end up building a business relationship that can actually to have enormous ROI. Well, and it, it also, if you think about the, the logistics of making it happen for larger companies, right, it actually helps bridge the divide between sales and marketing. Sales can come in and say, hey, I want to get into these three, especially in an account-based exactly. sales approach. I want to exactly. get into these 10 accounts. What can we do to generate content, whether it be podcast interview or some paper or long format video or things like that? It drives that collaboration. And actually, yep. I think it provides marketing a hell of a lot better understanding of what it is they should be putting out there that creates value You're to begin totally with. Right, man. You're totally right. And and it's this beautiful, like we're huge advocates for podcasts, obviously. And, and the way we see it bridging that kind of sales and marketing divide is, you know, sales says, Hey, these are the 10 accounts I want to get into. And then marketing owns the podcast itself. So they say, okay, we're going to reach out to decision makers at those 10 accounts. And we're going to ask them to be a guest on the show. And maybe the person on the sales team is actually does that interview. Maybe it's somebody else doing the interview. But regardless, that person who's a decision maker at a target account that sales wants to get into now has a direct relationship with the brand because they were a guest on the show. And so maybe their episode goes live and that salesperson then reaches out to them a couple weeks later, like, Hey, just listen to your episode on our podcast. You did phenomenal. I love the part that you said about da 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 would love to chat with you more about it. And that's penetration into the account. Like, it, and it, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not rocket science. It's but it's adding value up front, independent of the product or service that you sell. And you see this a whole lot more than I do being in the space that you're in, Chad. But I just see so many people going straight to the throat and going to someone that they have zero relationship with whatsoever and trying to sell them their thing, product, service, whatever it is, independent of a relationship. And because of that, you just get ignored more often than not. But when you can go to someone and say, hey, I have a show, I'd love to feature you as an expert on this show, that's value to them. Because even if the show doesn't have very many listeners, it's still great PR for them. They're going to be able to post on LinkedIn that they were featured on XYZ podcast as an expert, and it makes them look really good externally and internally if they're at a big company. And so there's benefit in it for them. And you're leading with something that isn't, hey, buy my thing. And and, it, and it's just really powerful. Well, and it, it's so, you know, we talk about it being almost common sense. You know, I've had these conversations before. What I find interesting is that I think it gets to the point where it's such common sense for us. My career started in marketing. I spent the first 13 years of my career in marketing and then switched to sales. And a big chunk of my effectiveness in sales was due to the fact that I understood how to leverage the marketing content. So yeah. now we got sales people out there and they're told, go hit these numbers, go hit these numbers, go hit these numbers, but they're not educated, number one, on a methodology to really uncover their prospects view of value, but mm -hmm. to provide them with some type of value in advance. It's not enough yeah. just to reach out and quote some fancy stat or, hey, we helped this company do 4X improvement on whatever, whatever. Nobody believes yeah. that stuff anymore. You really yep. have to work on forming that relationship. Yep. 
And I think the idea of collaborating with someone to create content with them, actually putting them in the driver's seat, because essentially you're putting your prospects, your future customers, you're putting them in the driver's seat of your content strategy, which is just a different way of thinking about it. But if for our show, I'll just keep using the B2B growth example. We have a show that's all about B2B marketing. And so when I go to a CMO or a VP of marketing at a target account for us, and I say, hey, the show's about B2B marketing, is there anything under that umbrella that you'd be interested in talking about? And because they're in that role, they're going to have something to say. And so it's not like the content is scattered and all over the place because you're letting your guests control the content. It's more targeted because you're actually talking to practitioners and those practitioners who are in the weeds, like executing on these different strategies and tactics and different things are doing in their own business. So you're creating phenomenal content, but at the end of it, I mean, after you've kind of prepped the interview with them, you've done the interview, you sent them the link after the episode went live, you now have a real relationship with that person. So when you go to email them to say, you know, hey, I really think we could help you guys with this thing that you mentioned on the interview, you're not doing it blindly and you're not doing it independent of relationship because of whatever it was that that piece of content was that you created with them, you now have a tangible relationship. It goes beyond just having a piece of marketing collateral to send them that's relatively personalized, like, no, like they actually created it with you. <laughs> and so, so you, you have such a, a, a meaningful relationship with them now. And, and we've done almost 800 interviews on B2B growth now. And, and now our, you know, we just hired our, our first salesperson on the team and he's now a co-host of B2B growth and he's taking over the bulk of the interviews for that show because I want him to have those relationships now. And it's just phenomenal to see it like go from my business partner and I co-hosting the show. And now it scales out to, you know, somebody that we hired to be in sales in our company doing that. And it's working just as well for him as it did for us, because again, it's, it all maps back to the relationship. And I just don't see a lot of people telling folks how to actually create relationships with people. All they say is the importance of relationships and you got to have relationships. Well, it's like, well, how do you do that? Oh, well, this is actually a really simple way to do it. Like create some sort of content hub. We've chosen to use podcast and then invite people that you want to have relationships with to take part in creating that content with you. I mean, I could talk about it too. I'm blue in the face, but I just think it's something that particularly in the B2B space, man, because the lifetime value of a customer in the B2B space is high. So, So to make whatever investment it is in producing whatever type of content that you're going to use for this type of collaborative content creation, you close one deal and it pays for a year's worth of content in a lot of cases. Um, And so, you know, as you and I were talking offline, you said that, you know, the content that you've created from this show, the relationships have been fruitful for you with your guests, but also the content alone has probably been even more valuable to you. So I do a lot of harping on the importance of the relationships with your guests, but the content itself is extremely valuable as well. And so it's just this, it's this double-edged sword. I think there's not nearly enough people doing it. And so it's still wide open territory. I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth in it, but I'm really excited about the concept and the idea of it. Well, and I see, you know, it's funny. I see a lot of people attempt to do it. Right. And so, you know, I think when you and I first started talking, it was like not many podcasts make it past episode seven, seven or something like that. And it's like, okay, so we, you know, you were right up front when we started talking, don't expect, you know, millions of people overnight, Yeah. but you see people that'll start and it'll catch something will catch my interest. Right. And I'll, I'll listen. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden 
it disappears. Then I get one quick question in my head that goes, well, I wonder what happened. And then I completely forget about that show. And it is a, it's much like in sales, it's a discipline, right? You have to be disciplined about it and you have to just continue to go through it. Might as well have fun doing it. It's more fun to collaborate with somebody than it is to just sit here and write a white paper or something that nobody's yeah. going to read. Um, yep. I'm curious, I noticed, and we had, you and I had emailed back and forth about this, the, you guys had jumped into some video production yeah, uh, and there was a video and I, I got to give you huge kudos because my, one of my business partners probably opens LinkedIn two, three times a week. And so very rarely <laughs> yeah. does she ever comment on any piece of content that she sees out there. But yeah. she saw your video that you guys did and came down into the studio and was like, have you seen this? You have to check <laughs> this out. So how did that evolution happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we started looking at kind of what, how do we repurpose podcast content? What are the best ways to do that? So we started figuring out how to do it on LinkedIn. And it wasn't the traditional things that a lot of people were doing, like teasing the content and saying, Hey, you're going to learn three secrets on this episode, you know, click the link here and, and listen to it. We noticed that when you actually took tangible value from the interview itself and put that into your LinkedIn status update, that those types of posts did much better because you were actually giving meat in the post for people to engage with, sure. as opposed to saying, Hey, I want you to stop scrolling LinkedIn, go listen to this 30 minute episode or 20 minute episode or whatever it's just disruptive. It's not the regular flow of how people are going to consume. So instead we started saying, okay, what were the three biggest takeaways from this episode? And we're actually going to share those three takeaways inside the LinkedIn status update itself. And so we learned a bunch of nuances about how to win on LinkedIn. And since we were spending so much time there, we saw a lot of people developing video. And a lot of the videos were really just kind of <laughs> selfie, like, somebody throws up an iPhone in front of their face and they start rambling about something that yep. they think is important. Uh, but there was no captions on it. It was very low production. And I saw, I saw a similar opportunity. I said, man, we can, if we can crush it with LinkedIn status updates that are text only, I think if we, you know, because we're putting more effort into our LinkedIn text only status updates, that's why we're getting results there. So if we put in more effort on video, we could probably get more results there as well. And, and, I did an interview with Gary Vaynerchuk about a year and a half ago, and he said that the biggest opportunity for B2B brands is to make their buyers laugh. And I really took that to heart, and we started a video series called Gary V Wannabe, and it took <laughs> off. Was you know, yep. it, was, it was me you know, pretending to be Gary V and or trying to be Gary V and failing desperately. And, and it got, you know, the series got over 80,000 views on LinkedIn, and we only did two videos. And it was phenomenal in terms of engagement. And so we thought, man, what if we started doing this for clients' podcasts where we would do a funny kind of one minute video explaining what the podcast was about, but we made it humorous. And so I think that's the video that your colleague actually saw is for a podcast called the payments innovation show. Yes, yep. And so we did a bit on, you know, Bitcoin and how everything's changing so fast. And, you know, one second you have to be accepting Bitcoin. The next second you have to accept Ethereum and then, Oh, now Bitcoin's out. You got, you know, so it was this, it was this funny take on how quickly the payment space is changing. And uh, and it got incredible results for them. The client ended up loving it, and they they're now working with us on a, on a long term basis on producing their show. So all that to say, I just think that the amount of effort you put into it, whether it's a 
podcast repurposing, uh, whether it's, you know, video production, the amount of effort you put into something is directly correlated to the results that you're going to see from it. And so if you're just not willing to put in that effort, you just have to be okay with limited results. And we just said, we just made the determination that we were going to put a lot of effort into the content that we put out because we don't want to just kind of set it and forget it. I was using Buffer and which is a social media tool before. And I was just loading in links to different articles and loading them up on LinkedIn. And I was getting, you know, a hundred to 200 views per post. But as soon as I started writing like thoughtful, like long form status updates that I wasn't, you know, blasting everywhere, it was just specifically for LinkedIn. My post started getting like five to 10,000 views and then 20,000 views. And then I had posts get over a hundred thousand views. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so much more. <laughs> you know, it's more time, you know, it takes me 30 to 45 minutes to write one of those posts, but it gets such better results than the five minute effort I was putting into loading in links into buffer. Uh, and so, so we, we just applied that same principle to video and, and it ended up working out really, really well for us. Well, and I think it's important for everybody to remember whether you're marketing or sales or whatever, it is the quality of time, not yep. necessarily just the quantity, right? Yeah. But people are getting more discerning in the content that they will or will not spend time with. And yep. there's so much of it out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's okay. Some mm -hmm. of it's crap. And then there's great stuff that's out there. Yep. And so, you know, you really, it's, it's interesting to see this evolution, the way the technology has changed because marketers have always had to stay on the front of, you know, that type of technology, but now even salespeople, you have to be a polished professional, be able to communicate with the written word in video and all of that, as well as execute a sales methodology and a sales yeah. process. So the job in order to continually get to the core element of connecting with other people, and there's so much of it out out there today that it doesn't take much to turn people off. You're spot on, man. I, I saw some, it'd be interesting to get your take on this chat. I saw something yesterday, uh, I think it was on Facebook, where a guy was asking, what do they do to set their sales reps up for success? And this guy chimed in and he said, if you can, every rep on your team should have a VA to handle all of like the administrative, like CRM stuff that salespeople hate doing. Just like take that off their plate, yep. give it to a VA that can handle all that stuff for them. But then he said something else in more interesting to me was every one of your reps should ha also have a ghostwriter. And I thought, Oh my gosh, because like, he said, you know, uh, you know, looking back on all the data he's seen, the reps that create content get 10 X results from reps that don't. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like, but the thing that keeps reps from creating content is they just don't have the time to do it. They're, you know, they're working, you know, a large pipeline, they're, they're getting deals across the finish line, but by having a ghostwriter, if they can just talk through the concepts, either questions that prospects are having that they're finding themselves answering a lot or, you know, whatever it is, they talk through those things. A ghostwriter creates the content and the company, you know, invests in that you're just going to get that much more mileage out of your reps because essentially you're, you're paying for them to develop their own personal brand, which I think is brilliant. I sent it to our sales guy as soon as I saw it and I was like, Hey man, like pick a writer from our team. And that person is now going to be your ghostwriter because I, <laughs> I need you writing more content. Uh, but I'd be curious to see if, if you have a similar thought or if you think that that 
should be separate or, or should salespeople be creating their own content? Well, ideal, look, ideally you want salespeople selling. I think it's great. The reality is most salespeople aren't English majors like I was. Yep. Uh, most of them don't have the eye for, and the time to think about what is somebody going to find, you know, uh, interesting, interesting in a different yep. medium. So to have a team or, or people, anything that you can offload off of a sales rep. So they're focused on having the conversations and moving them through the sales process, the better off you're going to be. One of the guys from outreach that I talked to I interviewed last year said that he does with his prospecting team is he does not allow them to go find their own lists of, of prospects. He actually yeah. has someone who is 100% dedicated to vetting lists completing them and providing them so that those people are completely focused on setting the first meeting and qualifying them for demo. And their results have been amazing because you have them focused on exactly what they need to be focused on and they're given the right type of data. Same thing yeah. with the sales rep. I think it's brilliant. I wish I had a ghostwriter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I may have to yeah, get I one now. You know, the internet has changed changed how we how we do things so much. And like, and to your point of like it's the quality that matters. And so these sales reps that we're hiring, they're extremely smart. I mean, they're navigating really complex processes, but sales processes and, and selling complex technology, they're intelligent people that have a lot to say about the industry that they're selling in. And so by equipping them to actually share that expertise and share what they know about the space, but giving them a, a ghostwriter or a copywriter and assigning that person to them, I would argue that one ghostwriter could probably handle a few different reps if that was their job was to, you know, just do content interviews and, and craft content for these people. And I just think it would be something that would pay off in big, big ways the longer you kept doing it. But well, and it I also protects the company's brand, right? So yeah. if you have, that's the challenge when you have larger sales force, you, you want them all creating content, but some people write in different voices, different tones. Yep. They have different, and so you have to really, as a marketing professional, you have to be really aware of, of how that impacts the brand. Ghostwriter helps you get the expertise out of your sales force and also at the same time protect and project the brand, yeah. which yep. I think is key. Spot on. All right, yeah. man. So I know we're short on time, but I got I got to ask you the one question we ask everybody. We call it the acceleration insight. So there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing people, one piece of advice that if they listened, being the caveat, uh, <laughs> if they listened, that you believe would help them hit their targets or bust out quotas, what would it be and why? It feels like beating a dead horse, but I'm just so bullish on creating content with your prospects. And I guess to go one step higher, like figure out a way to add value to your prospects independent of what you're selling them. And I, and in my opinion, if you can figure out a way to do that, whether it's, you know, creating content with them or, you know, I've got another business where we sell to high school athletic directors and to add value to them, we started this scholarship. And so we ask athletic directors to nominate two of their student athletes for an opportunity to win this scholarship. And that allows us to, you know, it's, it's adding value to them completely independent of the character curriculum that we end up wanting. You know, we obviously want to sell that character curriculum to the athletic director at some point, but to add value and to create a relationship with them, we do something completely separate. So that would be my piece of advice is figure out what is that thing that you can add value to your prospect that has nothing to do that, you know, it's, that's independent. I don't want to say it has nothing to do, but it is independent from what you sell. And if you can figure that out, I think you're going to win. Perfect, James. Thank you so much. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way to do it? Yeah, man, I'm all over LinkedIn. Last name is C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. And then email is james at sweetfishmedia.com. Would love to connect with anybody and everybody that wants to connect. All right, man. I really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you very much.
Thanks a lot, man. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. And until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success. Filling the top of the funnel is a challenge, especially in dynamic markets with shifting technology solutions and increasingly informed buyers. There is no silver bullet to effective prospecting, but Value Prime Solutions has developed a proven framework and approach that delivers results. Check out valueprimesolutions.com and ask how Vortex Prospecting can deliver more qualified leads for your teams. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.